Yes, Lisa offered a cheek for a kiss. Come sit down. Lisa's kitchen, with its spicy fragrance of chilli, its reassuring lived-in-ness, and the warm glow from its ochre-painted walls, was a haven. When they'd moved in next door to Tess's own slightly run-down end-of-terrace Victorian townhouse, and she'd first been drawn into Lisa and Mitch's welcoming circle, Tess had hoped she could absorb and emulate this atmosphere that Lisa seemed to conjure up so effortlessly, an atmosphere of togetherness with Mitch and their children, of family and of home. She couldn't, of course. How could she, when she didn't have a Mitch? Should she feel guilty about it? That she could give her daughter only so much, that she couldn't provide a father. But maybe what she had with Ginny, that special one-to-one relationship, was only possible because it was just the two of them against the world. I'll be with you in tech, Lisa told her. Just got a She addressed her offspring. Get your books off the table now, you lot, if you want supper tonight. Tess moved aside as three pairs of hands grabbed exercise books, pencil cases and what have you, chattering all the while. Have you got my black felt-tip pen? Where's my ruler? That's my rubber, Android. Don't call him Android. That was Lisa. She shot Tess an apologetic smile. They were like a volcano in full flow. Volcano. Tess leant back in her chair. She and Robin could visit Etna and Palermo. Old temples, cathedrals, deserted sandy bays. She felt a brief lurch of self-reproach. Could she just swan off for a week and leave her daughter here alone? Should she? Ginny's father, a free-thinking, guitar-strumming surfer dude, with long limbs and eyes as blue as the swimming pool, where he worked as a lifeguard, had stuck around for the first six months of Tess's pregnancy, before departing to Australia. He had asked Tess to go with him. He couldn't stand another English winter, he said. But for Tess, the timing was crucial. She was only twelve weeks away from bringing a child into the world. Given the choice of deserting his lover or facing that English winter... David had chosen desertion. It hadn't boded well for the future. And now her daughter was growing up rather quickly and rather scarily. Because there were, weren't there, so many difficult decisions ahead, so many ways to go wrong. And Ginny was also growing, she supposed, away from her. She watched Lisa's children as they clustered around their mother. Don't grow too far. I'm busy, Freddy, Lisa was saying to her oldest. Go and do your homework in the other room or watch a DVD before dinner and we'll do it later. You always say that, Freddy grumbled, but he grinned at Tess, claimed an orange from the fruit bowl on the table and departed cheerfully enough. I made sure it's something suitable for the others, Lisa added, shooing her two girls away with him. I want to talk to Tess. Tess grinned. She was so hyped up she could burst. She was a woman of property in Sicily, and she was going there with Robin. Lisa put a glass down in front of her. Thanks. Coffee had metamorphosed into red wine, but Tess wasn't complaining. I've moved on. Lisa topped up her own glass and chucked another generous measure into the pot of chilli. 
Cheers. She lifted the bottle. And congratulations. Thanks. Though, what had she done? Just belonged to the right family, she supposed. Tell me everything, Lisa commanded. So she did. She had googled the area of Chitaria and discovered that it was perfect for diving. It was close to a national park, now designated a conservation area, and blessed with beaches of rock, white sand, and clear aquamarine water. Volcanic eruption and earthquakes over the years had produced caves with stalactites and freshwater springs, and the marine life was apparently spectacular. Tess couldn't believe her luck. She had always loved the sea.